Hello, it's Wednesday, the 28th of February, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Won Jang-woo. South Korea's record low fertility rate fell further in 2023 to 0.72, and in the fourth quarter, it was recorded at 0.65. We'll have more in news briefing shortly. South Korea has been assessed to be highly insufficient in its policies to tackle climate change by the independent scientific project Climate Action Tracker. We find out more about this assessment for our in-depth today. And coming up for Korea Book Club, we look at a story that imagines the famed detective Sherlock Holmes living in modern-day Korea as a vampire. Let's begin Korea 24. Chronic low birth rate, population decline and an ageing society. These are some of the biggest challenges Korean society faces today. And the latest fertility figures have cast an even more ominous shadow over the situation. The total fertility rate for 2023 fell to 0.72 and the fourth quarter it fell as far as 0.65. For more on this story and other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello there, jang So South Korea already had the lowest fertility rate in the world, but the latest annual figures have dropped even further. Can you give us a breakdown of the discouraging figures? Yes, according to Statistics Korea on Wednesday, total fertility rate, the number of children that would be born to a woman in her lifetime, fell to an all-time low of 0.65 in Q4 last year. As for the whole year, 0.72. So on average, 100 women would give birth to 65 children. The total fertility rate, which first fell below 1 to 0.92 in 2019, has since been on an accelerated decline. Uh, The drop likely stems from a gradual decrease in the number of marriages since the 2020 COVID-19 outbreak. 230,000 babies were born in 2023, down 7.7% on year. The crude birth rate, or the annual number of live births per 1,000, dropped from 4.9 in 2022 to 4.5. The average age of women who had given birth rose 0.1% on year to 33.6 years, with mothers age 35 or older taking up 36.3% of the total. The number of deaths last year fell 5.4% to 352,700. The population naturally declining 122,800, a fourth straight year that figure has dipped. Yes, some very concerning figures indeed. Let's turn to our other headlines now. The government started delivering notices of its return to work orders through in-person visits to the homes of trainee doctors who have walked off the job in protest of a planned increase of the medical school admissions quota. So what's the latest on this clash between the government and the medical community? Well, the health ministry, which had been issuing notices of the order via mail or text messages, began directly delivering it on Wednesday with cooperation from the police. The notices are being delivered a day before Thursday, which is a deadline for the doctors to return and avoid legal punishment. The government warned of suspension of medical licenses and further legal action. Friday is a public holiday, so Monday will be the first workday after the deadline. As so the ministry plans to tally the number of trainee doctors that didn't return to work by then and then launch legal proceedings. Amid the continued collective action of trainee doctors, the top office said it's difficult to say the Korean Medical Association truly represents the medical community. Can you tell us more about this comment? Well, that's coming from the presidential office. A senior official there made the remarks to reporters on Wednesday, saying the government is continuously asking the medical community to put their heads together to recommend people who can properly represent them. No reply has been received yet, reportedly. 
regarding a claim by chiefs of 40 medical schools that an admissions quota increase of 350 would be appropriate. The officials said the issue of personnel supply and demand in health care is a matter for the government to decide under the Constitution and law, that the government may seek advice from the medical community, but the responsibility of making the decision lies with the state, stressing that the scope of the increase is not an issue for negotiations. Let's turn next to a landmark ruling by the Constitutional Court. It ruled 6 to 3 against Article 20, Section 2 of the Medical Service Act, which prohibits doctors from disclosing the gender of a fetus before week 32 of pregnancy. Can you tell us a bit more about what this means? The before week 32 of pregnancy stipulation was added in 2008 to the article which was first put into effect in 1987 to prevent the abortion of female fetuses when preferring boys over girls was prevalent in society in Korea back then. With the court ruling, the article has been scrapped entirely. This is happening after 37 years. In its ruling on Wednesday, the top court said it is difficult to recognize causation between the article and abortion as statistics show that modern Korean society no longer prefers boys over girls. There have been no investigation or indictment regarding a violation of the article so far, so three of the top court justices assess there is also a need to give Parliament the opportunity, though, to revise the medical law to provide minimum level of protection, though, to prevent abortions resulting from learning of a fetus's gender. In other news, Seoul's Joint Chiefs of Staff and the South Korea-U.S. Combined Forces Command said the annual Freedom Shield exercises will be held from Monday to March 14th. Can you tell us more? The JCS on Wednesday said that during the period there will be a variety of combined field training exercises in the sea, land and air to increase interoperability and enhance combined operation capabilities. Seoul and Washington plan to carry out computer simulation-based command post exercises as well as joint field training and other maneuvers. The plan exercises will focus on operations utilizing land, sea, air, cyber and space assets and neutralizing North Korean threats to further strengthen the combined defense posture. Meanwhile, the defense chiefs of Seoul and Washington have agreed to sternly deal with illegal arms transfers between North Korea and Russia. Defense Minister Shin Wan-shik and U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin reached the agreement in a phone call on Wednesday, agreeing that growing military cooperation between Moscow and Pyongyang, including illegal arms transfers, poses a serious threat to peace and stability on the peninsula as well as the rest of the world, and decided to firmly respond in cooperation with the international community. The duo strongly condemned North Korea for escalating tensions with test firing of new missiles and artillery firing near the northern limit line. And finally, the government will provide in English key details of emergency alert text messages that it sends out to the public to inform them of various events and incidents, including civil defence, earthquakes and heavy rain, in order to help foreigners better understand such messages. That's right. The Ministry of the Interior and Safety said Wednesday it will add the English words earthquake, terror threat warning and heavy rain next to the Korean terms when sending out such text messages accompanied by alarm sounds. Interior Minister Lee Sang-min said the move is aimed at helping foreigners become swiftly aware of emergency situations so they can take evacuation steps. The government will continue to improve systems on relaying such emergency messages with related agencies to ensure the safe stay of foreigners who visit or reside in the nation. That's all for our news briefing today. Daniel, thank you for those updates. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. 
The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index climbed 27.24 points, or 1.04% on Wednesday, to close at 2,652.29. The tech-heavy COSDAQ also inched up 9.64 points, or 1.13%, to close at 863.39. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 2.61 against the US dollar, closing the day at 1,333.61. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. It's time now for Global News Roundup, where we look beyond Korea and talk about headlines from around the world. Joining us in the studio now for that... We have our KBS World Radio news editor, Koo Hee-jin. Hee-jin, hello. Hello, Zhang. We begin today in the US, where President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump both won the Michigan primaries on Tuesday, but both indicated serious concerns for their campaigns as they pivot to a likely November rematch. Can you explain? Well, according to the Associated Press, CNN and Al Jazeera, Biden's victory in the Democratic primary came with a warning from progressives, young voters and Arab-American Democrats in the form of an uncommitted protest vote. Change course on Israel's war in Gaza or risk losing a significant chunk of support in what would be a decisive general election state. Michigan has the largest concentration of Arab Americans in the nation. More than 310,000 residents are of Middle Eastern or North African ancestry. Um, Nearly half of the Detroit suburb of Dearborn's roughly 110,000 residents claim Arab ancestry. And despite Biden's open discontent over decisions by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and whispers of an imminent ceasefire, Biden and his team have stood by Israel's right to uh, defend itself. As for Trump, he has now swept the first five states on the Republican primary calendar, but there are early signs that Trump was continuing to struggle with some influential uh, voter blocs who have favoured former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley in previous contests. Uh, Haley's strongest performance Tuesday night came in areas with college towns like Ann Arbor, home to the University of Michigan and suburbs around Detroit and Grand Rapids. And what were the responses to the results from both camps? Well, in a statement, Biden did not directly acknowledge the uncommitted effort. Instead, he touted the progress uh, his administration has achieved for Michigan voters, while warning that Trump is, quote, threatening to drag us even further into the past as he pursues revenge and retribution. Meanwhile, Trump's dominance of the early states is unparalleled since 1976, when Iowa and New Hampshire began their tradition of holding the first nominating contests. Uh, He has won resounding support from most pockets of the Republican voting base, including evangelical voters, conservatives and those who uh, live in rural areas. But Trump has struggled with college-educated voters, losing that block in South Carolina uh, Carolina to Haley on Saturday night. Trump did not travel to that state Tuesday. He instead called in to the Michigan GOP election night watch party in Grand Rapids, where he stressed the importance of the state in the general election and said the results Tuesday evening were far greater than anticipated. 
Yes, while both Trump and Biden look to have their respective parties' nominations locked up, essentially, we will continue to keep track of the primaries and the key developments in the lead-up to the elections in November. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we head to Europe next, where French President Emmanuel Macron has caused an uproar both in Europe and Russia. Mm-hmm. He openly put forth the possibility of sending European troops to Ukraine to help Kyiv win the war against Russia, which would be a potential major escalation to the late largest ground war Europe has seen since World War II. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us? Well, according to the BBC, CNN and other outlets, Macron told reporters at a news conference Tuesday that while he and the other 21 European leaders that attended a summit of Euro- uh, uh, in Paris on Monday did not agree on uh, deploying military personnel, the prospect was discussed openly. He said, quote, nothing should be ruled out and that we will do anything we can to prevent Russia from winning this war. Now, though the possibility of Western democracies putting boots on the ground in Ukraine remains remote... Macron's com- uh, comments came uh, that came after the summit, held in support of Ukraine, prompted a hawkish response from the Kremlin and sent European leaders scrambling to backtrack. And we should also note that a NATO official also told CNN the alliance had no plans to deploy combat troops in Ukraine. Right. German Councillor uh, Olaf Scholz, who attended the meeting in Paris on Monday, said that uh, while there was a good debate and a detailed discussion on the topic, summit participants were unanimous in their opinion against deploying troops. Officials from the UK, Poland, Spain and Italy uh, were among some of the Ukraine more ardent supporters that came out Tuesday against such a plan. Uh, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said Tuesday that such a deployment in Ukraine would put the West in conflict with Moscow. Peskov said, quote, in this case, we need to talk about not about the likelihood, but about the uh, inevitability of a conflict. Yes, we'll see if there is further fallout from Macron's comments. In the meantime, let's finally turn to the situation in Australia, where firefighters are battling a huge blaze that has forced the evacuation of tens of thousands of people amid some of the worst fire conditions the country has seen in recent years. Can you tell us more? Well, CNN reports that hot, dry and windy conditions have created extreme catastrophic fire dangers in parts of Victoria and South Australia, citing Australia's weather agency. Uh, Severe thunderstorms are also forecast in the region, which bring the threat of dry lightning. These are strikes that occur during a storm where uh, the rain evaporates before hitting the ground. Now, around 30,000 people have been ordered to evacuate parts of Victoria before midday. Wednesday, when authorities warned it would be too late to leave. That's all for our global news roundup today. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Eugene. Thank you. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda. I'm Barista Omburam and the winner of the 2023 World Barista Championship. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. No tea or tomato juice. You'll see no potato juice. Cause the planners down in Santa's all say no, no.
Climate Action Tracker is an independent scientific project that monitors government action on tackling climate change, and it has assessed that among the G20 countries, none are effectively implementing the 2015 Paris Agreement on climate. This includes South Korea, which is deemed highly insufficient in addressing climate policies. It said that South Korea, along with other countries, is taking minimal actions or not reflecting policies regarding climate concerns, and that if this and that if this trajectory continues, global temperatures may surge by approximately four degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels by the end of the century. To tell us about why South Korea's climate policies and actions were deemed highly insufficient and how South Korea should take action, we have an expert who worked on the South Korea assessment for Climate Action Tracker. We have Climate Policy Project Coordinator at the Institute for Essential Services Reform, Delima Ramadani, calling in today. She joins us now, Ms. Ramadani. Thank you for your time today. It's my pleasure to be here and and talk about. Um, the climate action tracker works, and especially especially about South Korea. Sure. So let's get straight into it. Can you tell us more about Climate Action Tracker, what it does, and what its objectives are? Yeah. So the Climate Action Tracker, as you said, is a, a, a independent scientific project. We've been analyzing policy for policymakers since 2009, and we have covered. Around 39 countries plus the EU, and we analyze this policy every year to inform public and also policymakers about where we are now compared to the goal of Paris Agreement that we are all agree. And um, over the years, we improve our methodology to reflect the best uh, possible way to track the climate actions of of the countries. Right, and also, can you break down the criteria uh, a bit more for us that you used to assess each country for uh, the climate action tracker? What are some of the uh, most important points that are taken into consideration as criteria? Yes, yeah, so we have three components that we're tracking. The first, the first one is the effect of climate policies and actions on the emissions. We currently project the emission until 2030, but whenever possible, we may. Uh, projection to 2035, and then the second one is also the impact of pledges done by the government and also the target and the embassy target that I mentioned is like the carbon neutrality target, like South Korea has, and also the pledges, for example, that done in in the COP 26, like methane pledges and etc. And and the last, of course, the uh, nationally. Uh, determine contributions that are stated by every uh, government, and the third one is also how um, this effort is compared to uh, countries' fair contributions and also the least cost path, the least cost pathway, where um, how the government is doing their fair contribution on the global act to limit warming and also whether. Or not, the mitigation effort is in in its territory are in line with the globally cost pathway. 
Right, and you mentioned earlier that one of the uh, main yardsticks for measuring the progress that's being made is uh, how the countries are uh, complying to the agreements made in the Paris Agreement. Can you explain a bit more uh, about that, what was reached in the agreement and uh, how it's measured against that? Okay, so uh, in general, the Paris Paris Agreement 1.5 degree temperature limit uh, is referred to the global effort to prevent long-term warming from surpassing 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And uh, this target of uh, limiting temperature is considered more stringent than the previous agreed upon global uh, uh, upon the goal of limiting warming of well below two degrees and this is reflecting a concern about the increased vulnerabilities and risk associated with higher levels of warming. And every uh, country has different but common responsibility where the developed country has to lead this uh, global action to limit uh, warming, while the developing country also has to grow their economy in the carbon, um, low-carbon pathway that are aligned with Paris. Right, so with all that in mind, as I mentioned earlier, uh, all G20 countries are failing to uh, meet uh, the targets set by the Paris Agreement on Climate. And South Korea especially has been rated by CAT overall climate targets and policies as highly insufficient. Uh, Can you tell us more about what this indicates for South Korea's climate policies and why it was rated this way? Yeah, that's that's true. That um, we are failing based on the last global stock take, but we still have time, and it is very important for uh, a country like South Korea to put more effort and speed up the the changes to actually bend down the emissions. So the highly insufficient um, rating that is given to South Korea uh, current climate policies and commitment, it means that. Um, South Korea policies and commitment are not consistent with the Paris Agreement 1.5 degree uh, temperature limit. Our projection last year um, estimate that South Korea's implemented policy will lead to an emission level of 650 uh, to 658 um, megaton CO2 equivalent per year in 2030, which um, these numbers is excluding the emissions from land use and land use change in forestry. And with these amount of uh, emissions, we it, it, the government policy didn't put the, 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 the effort in the trajectory that are needed to be Paris compatible. And um, there are a lot of um, policy that are needed to be put to... Um, make the uh, uh, more ambitious um, actions in, in South Korea. Right. So how does that then compare to other countries? As we said, all 20 G20 countries are failing mm-hmm. in some regard or another. But uh, which countries are perhaps doing worse? Uh, which countries are doing better? How does South Korea fit in there? Yeah, so uh, there's actually not many countries that get a good uh, ratings in our calculations. Only few countries get 
uh, at least uh, almost sufficient. So none of the 39 countries, including EU, is Paris uh, compatible right now. But some countries get almost sufficient, like uh, Norway and also Ethiopia and also Nepal and Costa Rica. Like in in Nor in Norwegia, they they get almost sufficient because they have put a sufficient policy and also uh, target to um, to um, actually uh, drop down the emission um, equal to their fair contribution to the global actions. And yeah, so I would say that South Korea is not the only one. But there are there are also a good thing that South Korea do, and we can talk about it later. And yeah, to 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 answer shortly that the, yeah, there there are many countries that are rated uh, as Paris compatible for now. Yes, so it's a five level scale, starting from uh, Paris Agreement compatible, almost sufficient, insufficient, highly insufficient, and critically insufficient. South Korea falls into that second from bottom group of highly insufficient along with five other countries including China, India and Canada. And if we look closer at what action is being taken by South Korea now, uh, how do you assess the goals that South Korea have set, particularly during this administration? Mm -hmm. So um, currently South Korea has uh, progressing with the carbon neutrality target, which it will, if implemented, it will drop down the emission uh, lower than what we have projected. But uh, however, it's, it's not, it's estimated, it, it, based on our estimated estimation, it won't, um, it won't be enough to be Paris compatible, but the rating will be better with the pathway that already um, written in the Carbon Neutrality Act. And also last year, it was um, enforced by the law, which is a very, very good progress that South Korea has made. And also the government has launched the 10th electricity plan, and um, which we count as a backpedaling because the government has changed the directions of the electricity sector that are favoring nuclear over renewable energy and, and the RPS or renewable portfolio standard as the main policy of the South Korea to promote renewable in South Korea is also being discussed to be um, to be adjusted, or where um, maybe I I, I I don't know. Should I go to the details of the number or is sure? It... Can you give us the details? Yeah. Okay. So the the with the RPS, um, the previously the share of the electricity mix is to ten percent by two thousand thirty. But due to the date of the 10th electricity plan, it, uh, the electricity, the 10th electricity plan is lowering the RPS ratio to 13% in 2023, which, which previously set as 14.5%, um, and uh, it plans to gradually increase it to 15% and 25% in 2026. And, 2030, respectively. So there's a, a bit of changes due, due to the new administrations, and we have also calculated this in our current projections. And um, it's resulting uh, the, the both uh, uh, policy, the 10th uh, electricity plan and the RPS, 
resulting the one of the major um, cause of the uh, the rating of highly insufficient because because in our calculation we only calculate the emission in the sector excluding the land use and forestry which is energy is made the main driver of the emission and this energy related policies um, influencing those price of emissions I think and also, uh, and also coupled with the historical emission that have been calculated from the national inventory data and the other policy that uh, or act that been um, on the table is the hydrogen roadmap and also the South Korea also signed the global methane pledge, which means that uh, the reductions of uh, 10 megaton CO2 equivalent in 2030, which um, which which a good vision that the government has, and also the the uh, the other pledge also um, coal exit that the South Korea sign up to the coal exit pledge in 2026. Mm. Uh, uh, however. We, um, based on our assessment, uh, South Korea hasn't agreed to the shift away from coal, and 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 they have pledged to significantly eliminate uh, eliminate coal from its energy generation by 2050. And yeah, South Korea has started its path to decommission coal. Uh, we heard that power plants and uh, the coal power plants, and also stop financing coal plants abroad. Uh, however, uh, it's it's uh, we're still observing um, the implementations of these pledges and also the 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 visions that the government has. Right. So under the current administration, certain targets have been rolled back from the previous administration, uh, and uh, you are monitoring whether other targets are being met. Uh, based on your analysis, how far is South Korea from reaching? the targets that are needed? How does it compare to other countries and their efforts to uh, reach uh, their own goals as well? Yeah, so um, there's a, a, a big gap that has to be fulfilled if software wants to align its target into Paris. So uh, it, in general, we could say that South Korea climate change mitigation and energy sector especially the planning and energy sector still lacks the necessary speed and stringency that it needs to get onto a pathway that are compatible with Paris. So the um, the carbon neutral target of South Korea, if implemented, will drop down the emission level to 480. But as I said before, it's still not uh, sufficient based on CAT. And, and uh, South Korea needs to... Uh, really target the emission level to drop down around 300 megaton CO2 equivalent by 2030. And um, this this number, that 3020, might change to this year assessment as we are updating uh, our methodology to reflect the AR, uh, AR6 methodology. And it's yeah roughly 400. So to... To say the least, the government should drop or bend down the emissions by by uh, by any policy mm. or a means of implementation that the government to be able to put the emission level of South Korea around 320 to 400 megaton CO2 right. by 2030, and it means it's there's a gap around 300 megaton CO2 equivalent 
from the current policy that are projected in 2030. And this projection is excluding the land use and land use change in forestry. Thank you. Right. And the ruling People Power Party announced uh, today a campaign pledge to uh, double the Climate Response Fund, supporting companies that reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, investments and issuance of loans to promote environmental friendly activities as well will be expanded. So the ruling party uh, is perhaps aware that more needs to be done and that the public's awareness aligns with that as well. Uh, with that in mind, what more would you like to see from South Korea to reach the goals that it has set and moreover become more compatible with the Paris Agreement? Yeah, that's that's certainly good news, and it would be a better or uh, if if it uh, has more transparency on how much uh, those amount of finance will uh, affect on the drop of the emissions. And I think uh, I would expect the um, South Korea's government, if they want to um, align with the or being compatible with the Paris. It means that the government should really consider the uh, coal fire uh, phase out before 2030, and also reduce the role of LNG um, while increasing the renewable uh, energy usage. Like we know from the 10th electricity plan, the government are favoring um, nuclear power plants in in replace of uh, or a decrease of renewable that w- that we could see and the second thing uh, that I, that we could expect is that um, the domestic emission reductions to be increased to at least 59% excluding the land use and land use change in forestry by 2030 it's also needed to be Paris aligned and also um, the carbon neutrality pathway is a good vision that that it's uh, the pathway is uh, more um, ambitious than the current uh, policy that that we are projecting and and yeah to be Paris aligned this also has to be um, this policy also has to aim to bend down the emission around 300 to 400 megaton CO2 emission equivalent per year in 2030. Well, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of food for thought for the uh, government to look into what more can be done to cl- tackle climate change and meet our targets set for the Paris Agreement. Uh, in the meantime, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. We've been speaking to uh, Ms. Delima Ramadani from the uh, Climate Policy Project Coordinator at the Institute for Essential Services Reform. Thank you once again for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's time for our weekly segment now, Explore Korea, where we introduce some cultural highlights to discover in Korea each week with the help of our special contributors or explorers. This week we have joining us once again Shin Min-hee, who is a culture reporter for the Korea Jungang Daily. Minhee, hello. It's great to see you again. Hello, Jung-ho. It's great to be back on the show. Okay, so what do you have in store for us today? Well, you know, in the past few episodes, we've been traveling to Kwachon and Osan, and I just, I just thought maybe this time we can just stay in Seoul. 
After all, it's still pretty cold. And I'm sure that there are some listeners out there who、uh, don't want to travel too far just yet. Sure, spring is coming, but still feeling a bit chilly at the moment. So perhaps staying in Seoul is a good idea.、Mm-hmm. So today I'm going to be introducing an ongoing exhibition at the National Museum of Modern Contemporary Art, or the MMCA,、uh, in its Seoul main branch in Jongno District. It's called the Korea Artist Prize 2023. It's actually the exhibition for the four finalists for the award of the same name,、uh, which is hosted and organized jointly by the MMCA and the SBS Foundation every year.、Mm. Uh, the exhibition started way back in October, but I'm only mentioning this now because earlier this month, the winner for this edition was announced to be an artist named Kwon Byungjun, and the other three finalists were Galapuros Kim, Jeon Sojong, and Lee Gangseung, which I'll get to in a bit. Okay, I see. So the exhibition、uh, was for the four finalists of the Career Artist Prize 2023, but the winner was only announced this month. Right. So perhaps now, when you go see the exhibition, you'll know who took home the grand prize.、Mm-hmm. So can you tell us first more about the prize itself, the Career Artist Prize? Sure. Uh, the Korea Artist Prize is a major accolade that recognizes Korean contemporary art. The requirement for, to be one of four finalists is that the artist must deal with contemporary social issues through their artworks,、uh, which in turn will give the audience something to think about.、Mm. Uh, not only do the finalists get to hold a collective exhibition to show off their art at the MMCA, but they also get a prize money of 50 million won, which is the equivalent to around $36,800.、Mm. Uh, all four artists will get to have a documentary produced, which will be broadcast on television. And the final winner, after undergoing a second evaluation,、uh, will get an additional 10 million won. Uh, and this year it was the 11th edition, and it was an important milestone in the history of the Korea Artist Prize, because there have been some system updates, as there have been some criticism by experts in the media in the past. I see. So, it's gone through a bit of a, a revamp. I'm、mm-hmm. assuming there were problems with the previous、uh, system and the way it was awarded.、Yes. What were they? Uh, so back in 2022, the award took a break to reflect on its system and to come up with some with a proposal on how it will respond to the backlash.、Mm. And an example of the backlash is that in 2020, when the COVID pandemic was really、uh, it was at its worst and social distancing measures were very strict,、uh, some of the judges who lived overseas were unable to come to Korea. So the winner back then was chosen remotely、uh, based on text descriptions and video formats from the finalists. Ooh, I can see how that could be a problem, indeed.、Right. Yes, yeah, and most would agree that this is, wasn't the most desirable way to select the winner for an award that has the highest authority in Korea.、Mm. I mean, in a way, it's like playing a kart racing video game and then claiming that you can drive in real life. <laughs> it's, not, it's just not the same when you look at art on your computer screen and when you look at it in real life. Sure, interesting analogy, but yes,、uh-huh. <laughs> uh, of course, art needs to be appreciated in person to really feel the full impact of it. Yes, and there needs to be an interaction with the artist, and you know, just in real life. Sure, especially if it's an installation、uh, art piece, you need to be there physically to see how it takes up the space and、uh, what it feels like. Yeah, exactly. To be in the same room with it.、Uh-huh. So, an art critic named Hong Kyunghan told me at the time that the prize has been unable to fulfill a role in which it dynamically builds upon a specific discourse. And what he meant by this is that the Korea Artist Prize shouldn't be like other exhibitions where the visitor just glances on an artwork and moves on. And if there's a question that needs to be raised in our society, then the public should be able to join in on、uh, join in on the discussion. 
Okay, so when you say that, you're saying that they wanted more participation from the viewers, the audience itself. Then, in perhaps judging the works, that's quite interesting. That's quite brave, almost. How did they so change the system then to try and address that? All、uh, right. So the biggest change I would say is that the MMCA has decided to improve the evaluation process for choosing a winner, so that the audience could participate more, like you said.、Mm. And I mentioned earlier that the artists are evaluated twice:、uh, once to choose the four finalists, and another one to choose the final winner. And now the MMCA has decided to fully open the second evaluation stage、uh, with a public workshop, where each finalist gets involved in an intense discussion. With the judge panel、uh, regarding their artworks, and just like the MMCA had hoped,、uh, the workshop proved to be very popular.、Uh, the museum opened 250 seats last month, and it only took two hours for them to book out completely. Wow! And I feel like this was really meaningful because it just proved how、uh, interested the pe-、uh, people are in are. In taking part in these debates, and the only regret is that the MMCA didn't do this sooner. <laughs> Indeed, it's impressive. It's a very interesting way to do things. It shows, I guess, how much the audience wants to be engaged in the process、uh, as well. And I think it shows how much Korean art lovers really do care about the art and the artists and、uh, the art scene in general.、Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about the artists and the works,、uh, starting with the winner. Uh, Kwon Pyongjun, can you tell us some more about his works and what do you think made it stand out? So Kwon Pyongjun's works on View are robots that he programmed to perform a specific task.、Uh, usually, when we think of robots, they're the ones you see at the airport. You know, when they、uh, tell us the directions when we're <laughs> lost, or like those in films like Wall-E or The Terminator. Mm. But with Kwon's robots, they just simply walk around, or they pretend to walk a tightrope like an acrobat. And there's even one that did putchum or traditional Korean fan dance.、Mm. And I personally, when I first visited the ex- exhibition last October,、uh, I found of Kwon's section the most fascinating.、Uh, it doesn't seem like the robots are only doing the movements for the sake of it, but they appear as if they're actually putting on a show. <laughs>、uh, and Kwon also arranged headphones in the exhibition,、uh, where where anyone is well. Welcome to put them on, and the ch- songs change according to where you move to in the exhibition. And、uh, Kwon actually has a very、uh, interesting work background. He started out his career as a singer-songwriter in the 1990s,、mm. and he's been in bands that played genres of alternative rock and minimal house. Wow! Okay. <laughs> and he's also worked as a hardware engineer for musical instruments. So these experiences, I would say, truly helped him create this、uh, new media performance. I see. So all those、uh, diverse life experiences coming together、yes. <laughs> uh, in his art, it seems.、Uh, we talked about how the artists have been explaining the works themselves to、mm-hmm. the public.、Uh, what is the art's inten- artist's intention、uh, behind these, should we say, theatrical robots? <laughs> Well, to Kwon Byung-jun, these robots are deemed as both a minority and companion in human society, and that although humans still rule the world, the robots still are—they、uh, can be helpful to us. And but the robots that Kwon has built are pretty far from being practical.、Uh, rather, the things that they do. Uh, can be deemed、uh, useless. I mentioned <laughs> one robot that pretends to walk a tightrope like an acrobat, but note that I said pretend. It actually doesn't move at all. And I remember、uh, asking Kwon at the exhibition、uh, last October and asking him why isn't the robot moving? Like, does it ever actually walk? 
And he smiled sheepishly, and he said that the robot was only imitating the uh, movements of an actual acrobat walking a tightrope. Mm. And so the fact that his robots aren't exactly productive from the perspective of humans means that we might also need to think of a future when it's the actually when it's the opposite. Mm. So like some days robots may become competent enough that they will take the place of humans, uh, which means that human labor will ultimately lose its value. It's long been a concern that has fascinated and scared people, I would say. <laughs> Will robots ever become advanced enough to replace humans? That's uh, the sort of question that's become even more relevant in recent years with right. the advancements we've seen in AI. Mm-hmm. So it certainly sounds like a very timely work that I think will have spoken to a lot of people. Uh, what about the other three finalists? How were their works reflected in the exhibition? Well, the other three finalists, as I mentioned before, were Gallopor's Kim, Jeon uh, Sojong, and Lee Gang-sung. And one thing I found interesting is that Gallopor's Kim is actually Korean-Colombian. Mm. Uh, she deals with topics like death and nature by relating them with forgotten cultural heritages and relics, uh, which she calls a process of collaborating with nature. Mm. And if Gallopor's Kim explored things that are visible to the eye and are tangible, Jeon uh, Sojong did the opposite. She studied realms that are invisible like sound and speed uh, through video works. And Lee Gang-sung took an approach that I would say connects with a lot of the contemporary issues going out in the world today, uh, which is the issue of minorities. The artist uh, created archives of queer artists and activists who have passed away, uh, which act as a commemoration in an attempt to break social stigmas against them. Mm. And I know that getting a grasp of the works of each artist uh, is a lot, uh, but luckily, starting from this edition, we can see uh, both new and old works for each finalist to provide a more comprehensive understanding of their artistic worlds. And I I agree that this was easier to see the whole picture on who each artist is, because in the past in past editions they usually only only showed the uh, latest works. Well, it sounds like a fascinating exhibition, one that really showcases the diversity of the Korean contemporary uh, art scene currently, and it sounds like there will be much to explore and delve into uh, mm-hmm. as well. So, it's one you recommend then. Yes, of course. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing the upgrades this year, and I hope that the Korea Artist Prize continues to build its reputation as Korea's most uh, prestigious contemporary art award. Uh, For the past decade, it's been awarded to some of Korea's most influential artists right now, uh, such as the Moon Kyung-won and Jeon Jun-ho duo, uh, Do Sun-taek, Song Sang-hee, and Cho Chang-suk. And I look forward to what what Korean artists the award will continue to uh, introduce to us in the future. Mm. And so the Korea Artist Prize 2023 exhibition continues until March 31st, which is about a month left. Mm. And regular admission is only 2001. So uh, I would recommend that you visit when you can. Great. And so on the MMCA here in Seoul. We'll have pictures uh, from the exhibition on our social media as well, on our Instagram, KBS underscore Career 24, so our listeners can check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Minhee, thank you very much for that recommendation. We've enjoyed hearing all about it, and we look forward to the next one as well. Till then, uh, take care, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of Korea 24. Join us again tomorrow for more of the latest updates and analysis from Korea. Till then, we hope you have a great day. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.
don't even think about checking that message or texting back. Did you know it only takes three seconds after a driver's attention has been diverted from the road for a crash to occur? Texting while driving is six times more likely to cause an accident than driving under the influence of alcohol. Sending or reading a text message causes drivers, on average, to take their eyes off the road for five seconds. When driving at 80 km per hour, that means that drivers travel approximately the length of a football field with their eyes closed. At KBS World Radio, we value our listeners' safety and well-being. If you're listening to our programmes while driving via your mobile device, please hit play before you set off on your journey. If you receive a message or a call while driving, either use a hands-free Bluetooth device to respond or wait until you've arrived at your destination. You're not just putting your life at risk. Distracted driving accounts for approximately 25% of all motor vehicle crash fatalities. Arrive alive.